Hey everyone, welcome back to But Why Love the Podcast, the podcast where every week myself, Adrian, and Matt talk about the things in pop culture that people say matter and ask the question, but why though? Before we get started, I just want to make sure to let you know to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you can find us. It is the easiest way for you to support us. And we want to let you know that we have our 100th episode coming up. So please, please, please send us all of your questions through email, but why though podcast at gmail.com or send them to us on Twitter at but why though PC. Um, we want to hear from you and we want to answer all of the questions you have to ask. And if you want to support us a little bit more, head on over to patreon.com slash but why though PC. Enjoy the show. But why the podcast? And today we are dedicating this episode to Lil Sebastian. As always, I'm your host Kate, and here with Adrian. Hey, how's it going? And Matt. Hello. And we're talking about Parks and Recs today. Parks and Rec. Treat yeah. yourself. It's so good. Yo, send it. Um, <laughs> Yo, no, send no, it. No, <laughs> no. However, that is something I feel like Tom would have said. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. And if you're confused. Check out our Patreon. Uh, I've been thinking about Yo Send It all day. Like, literally all yeah. day. And I'm not even exaggerating. Like, some kid was like, oh, can I send you this thing for you to print it? I was like, yo, send it. <laughs> in class today. That's how much this stuff has been in my mind. So, Matt has been saying it nonstop <laughs> since we recorded last night. So, I have no choice but to think about it all day. Because <laughs> I work from home on Fridays. And this is the kind of quality content you can get on Patreon for the $3 tier. <laughs> anyway, but before we get started, I, we do have an announcement to make. This is episode 96, and episode 100 is around the corner, and we want to do kind of like an AMA. Ask us anything. Um, so if you're listening right now and you have a question for all three of us, one of us, whoever, well, I mean, obviously, whoever, as in we're on the podcast, um, email us at butwhythopodcast at gmail.com or... Uh, tweet at us at ButWhyThoughPC on, obviously, Twitter. But you can also hit us up on Instagram and Facebook. They're the exact same things. Um, and just ask us your burning questions or let us know what you really like about the show. Yeah, we're super excited. Um, our 50th episode was really fun to do. We had a lot of really great questions, so I'm really excited for 100 because we are definitely not the same podcast like in terms of size that we were at 50. So, you know, let us know. Let's talk about it. And we'll probably turn it into a drinking game. So it's going to be a fun episode. Probably, yes. I, I hope we do. Yes. Matt, live stream? Maybe. Ooh, live stream would be good. Maybe. Who knows? No. <laughs> <laughs> Old man Matt. Here he Ed comes. Ed Sheeran Matt. <laughs> Ed Sheeran Matt. Yes. Uh, okay. So now we can get into it. And uh, Adrian's leading the episode. So take yeah. it away, Adrian. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm leading this episode, but to be perfectly honest, like we all love Parks and Recreation. Any of us could have done this episode. Um, so expect a lot of like really great conversations and favorite moments about the show. The main reason that we're covering it is because Parks and Recreation turns 10 on April 9th, 2019. Not 20, because apparently I tweeted it wrong in the middle of my classes. And I regret nothing. I said what I said. But 10 years. Turns 10 years in, in April. So that's why we're covering it. It's a great show. And I hope that you, if you haven't watched it, um, expect like some maybe light spoilers because we'll probably talk about kind of the show in general. But if you do love it, you'll probably get some moments of like, oh, yes, that was that was really fun. So Again, the show's also been out for 10 years, so I feel not bad about spoilers. Yeah, I really don't because it's also like a really, really great show. So, like, well, you yeah, because it's it. also one of those shows that like it's funny when you say it, but it's even more it, it, it's it's hilarious when you actually watch the characters doing it. Yeah. Like so like we'll say some stuff that happens in like season six and season seven, but like you probably won't remember. So it'll be OK. It'll, it'll be fine. And knowing me, I hate spoilers. But this is a show that's so good that I'll spoil it just so you can go back and rewatch it and enjoy all the hilarity. Also, start from when Ben and uh, Ben and Chris get there. Yeah, Cause yeah, because that's because that's going to be into can my. We intro like question. start the actual episode. Okay, well, I was going to say that Matt. Jesus. We have like a disclaimer. Was, this is Kate, like a freaking terms and like policy click hey, box. That's uh, like eighty-seven minutes. Hey, we're talking about a political show, okay? And Kate gave me a perfect transition where I was going to say. How were you introduced to Parks and Recreation? Because that's directly related to how I was introduced to the show. So, our intro question, how were you introduced to Parks and Recreation? Did you watch it when it was on NBC? Did you watch it when it was streaming? Did someone tell you to watch it from season two on? Like, how were you introduced? Uh, Matt? So, <clears throat> I didn't watch it on actual TV. I did watch it up to date because at the time they were still giving, like, pretty shows, like, relatively, like, along the time of, like, you know, it ends in November and we get it, like, in December so you can rewatch it. So I still like well, I wasn't like completely behind, but I do know I didn't start to like season when it was like season four or five. I think about season four when they started. I tried it one time, watched season one, like part of it, and was like this is terrible. Why do people like this show? And then quit and didn't watch it again. And then I think like maybe a year or two later, um, I finally went back and people were like, "Hey, watch this thing from you know like just 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 push through it." And so I finally tried to give it give it. Tried it again. I pushed through. I think I slept through most of season one, season two, and then obviously I once it got good going, um, I watched all of it relatively quickly to catch up to where, like I said, by the last season or two, I was pretty much caught up. Yeah. What about you, Kate? So I tried to watch it on my own when it was on Netflix because I was like, "Oh, this is kind of cool. I don't know. I need a show." Um, and I think there were like five seasons on it five or six seasons on it five, five seasons there were five seasons on netflix and i was like nope this is boring i can't do this and i stopped watching it in like episode four um and then my friend i was talking with my friend about the office one day um after class and they're like oh you should watch parks and rec i was like i tried it's it's boring like the the, the humor is just not there they're like no, no 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 keep watching it just, just power through it keep watching it it's like a happy office <laughs> like it's not nearly as depressing as the office is in some points um and the characters just get better and they said just wait for the accountant to show up and i was like okay and then i watched it and the moment i saw ben wyatt i fell in love because he carries in his he carries his tension for the new star wars sequels in his shoulders <laughs> just like i did yeah i mean literally i think Everyone I've ever talked to about Parks and Recreation, and maybe some other listeners are in different boats, but 
I don't know anybody who watched it when it was like on NBC and watched it, you know, every single night because everyone I know watched it on streaming services and kind of binge watched it that way. I know for my wife and I, like we watched season one, we we're like, I don't, we don't see the appeal. And then someone told us to give us a second chance in season two. And then we binge watched all of season two within like a couple of days because it was just so good after the fact. So I think that's, I think we're all in the same boat. And I think that's a normal thing for the show. And we'll kind of talk about like maybe why that happened and how it got better over time. But if you're not familiar, Parks and Recreation is a political satire sitcom created by Greg Daniels and Michael Shore. Michael Shore? Kate, help. Linguist, help. Okay, Michael Shore, we'll just go with that. And it premiered in 2009, no, 2009 on NBC. That's why it's celebrating its 10-year anniversary this year. And if Greg Daniels and Michael Shore, Schreier? Sure. 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 Yeah. Uh, Those names might be familiar because these are actually two pretty big um, names in the cable television and like network television uh, markets because Greg Daniel is well known for his credits on SNL as a writer. He's also written on The Simpsons. He's the co-creator of King of the Hill. And he's also the mind behind the American adaptation of The Office. Uh, That's for Greg Daniels. And Michael Shore is... Someone who has also worked on The Office writing, has also written for SNL, and has also created hit shows like The Good Place, as well as co-creating shows, uh, co-creating Brooklyn Nine-Nine. So all of those shows are good shows. So if you don't know... He's saying that because he doesn't like Brooklyn Nine-Nine. You don't like Brooklyn yes, Nine-Nine? They no, are. I do not. They're good. Nine-Nine. This, isn't like Andy, this, is, this is back to the Andy Samberg hate, so uh, he's never going to like it. Hey, man, the show's going way past Andy Samberg. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, like, if you can get past your Andy Samberg hate, you should, you should go watch the show. So good. But The Good Place, awesome. SNL, obviously great. You love King of the Hill. So if you like those two, like, if you like any of the shows we just mentioned, Brooklyn, uh, Parks and Recreation should be a show that should relatively interest you because they'll... Two creators have, you know, credits with some of the biggest shows on TV. And the series ran fully on NBC, which is kind of a surprise now because I can't think of many shows that stay on the same network now nowadays. It ran from April 2009 to February of 2015 with seven seasons and 125 episodes. So is it only seven seasons? I thought it was eight yeah, seasons. Yeah, seven. Yeah, it's only seven seasons. Okay. The Office is eight. No, The Office is uh, six. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't count the last two. Yeah, that's what the, I, the that's show what I ends figured. beautifully. They set a they set the office on fire. They get engaged. They're going to Colorado. That's the end of the show. It's great. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it makes sense because I don't count the first season for Parks and Recreation. Like, I only count like the six <laughs> seasons until until uh, Rob Lowe and and uh, Adam Scott get there. So it's okay; it's the same. So the series follows employees of a parks department in a fictional small town called Pawnee, Indiana, with its main focus on the optimistic bureaucrat Leslie Nope, played by Amy Poehler, who is who also serves as. Per- as one of the producers for the show. She also has some writing credits on a few episodes as well. So she has a big part in the show um, overarching. The show was shot in a single camera documentary film style, similar to that of The Office, uh, which is really no surprise considering that both of the creators had um, hands in The Office with Greg Daniels being like the person who was, who headed the American adaptation. 
Um, the show is actually supposed to be a spinoff of The Office at the request of NBC chairman Ben Silverman. But the two creators, Michael and Greg, decided not to do that and focus on the small town um, government and the optimistic bureaucrat that Emmy Poehler. Um, the small town Democrat of Leslie Nope after the fact that Amy Poehler was brought on um, because they couldn't figure out how to fit the world in the office's world into the spinoff idea. And they went through like I, I, when I was doing the research for this episode, like they went through a bunch of different ideas. My favorite one was how to connect the office to Parks and Recreation was that they were going to have a broken copy machine from Scantron uh, Scanton. Would Scranton. break down. Scanton. Scranton. 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 They should Scranton. put an A. That's their fault, not mine. Um, a copy machine from Scanton would break Scranton. down it. I, I said Scranton. I said that. No, now you said it. That was good. You said the right one that time. Oh, sorry. Is you know Michael going to come find me? What, whatever. You left. It's his fault. Uh, a copy machine from Scranton would break down in an episode of The Office and then end up in Pawnee making the office equipment the spawn-off character in the show. Uh, thankfully, they didn't go with that. And they just, just decided to like do their own thing and make um, Amy Poehler the star because they knew you know how great she was and kind of just focus there and be its own thing. So, the, I'm yeah. going to say, if they did do a spinoff thing, the only because th- <clears throat> I wouldn't be mind if they would have done something the way Eureka and, I believe, Warehouse 13 did, where they technically, I believe, exist within the same, but you actually don't know, but there's very few episodes. I think they're all, like, the each had, like, six seasons apiece, and I think there's, like, maybe two or three crossover things, and they make, like, maybe, a, like, they, like, call, make a phone call or something, and that's about it. Yeah, I mean, I'm fine with them just making it completely separate. Oh, no, it didn't know. bother me they make it completely separate, but singing this idea, I was like, oh, there could have been a few ways, only because I have seen it where they basically they made two completely different shows where they do not overlap except for, like, less than 1%. Yeah, they, they, they had a few different ways to start the show, but they, they just decided once, the, the from listening to, like, the and reading like, the articles with the creators, once Amy Poehler got there, they're like, no, we're just going to make it based on her because of how great she is. And I think it works out pretty well. The idea was partly inspired by the local political, by, by the local politics on the HBO drama The Wire, as well as renewed interest and optimism about politics stemming from the 2008 United States presidential election. Presidential election. That is such a weird thing to hey. think that the that Parks and Rec is 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 like connected to is the local politics of The Wire. Hey man, renewed it, interest and optimism. Well, no, that that was very true. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very true. No, I mean, like, compared to, like, where we've gone from, like, we made a TV show. Yeah, no. I don't even know how this show would have run in our current political, like, environment. I don't think it would be nearly as funny. It would have been the opposite. It would have been, like, extremely dark humor and, like, showing how bad things are. Yeah. Whereas this is, like, extremely bright humor and showing how bad things can be. But that would also mean that, like, probably AOC would probably be a guest star a whole bunch, which I'm kind of also down with. So, I don't don't know. I don't know. No, just kidding. I don't want it. I don't want it. Because, like, they said it in our world. So, things like the recession and, like, the government shutdown and all that stuff is takes place in the show. So, I think this show really comes at, like, the perfect time for, like, this 
you know, political satire of kind of like optimism and stuff like that with the 2008 election. So I think it just fit in directly the right place because I don't think that this would work at any other time in, you know, our political history, basically. Um, the coolest thing about Greg and Michael is that they spent time researching local politics. You know, they attended Lo- uh, Los Angeles City council meetings in California. They spoke to actual city planners and elected officials to get a gist of, like, what they were going to base stories and characters around. And this is something similar to, like, what Greg Daniels did in King of the Hill and The Office. Like, in King of the Hill, like, they he literally sent his writers down with, like, uh, notebooks to, like, figure out, like, to go to small towns in Texas and see what it was actually like. And same thing in The Office, like, going to different office buildings and kind of getting the gist of, you know, how office life was actually like, which makes for a pretty good show. What do you think about, like, the things that happen in Parks Recreation? So they did their research before going into uh, this realm. Um, like we kind of said at the beginning, the reception of the first season is not great. Like, literally not at all. Um, and the basis of, like, this criticism is that, like, the deep connection to The Office, like, really hurts the, the series. In a lot of people's opinions, the season was... That and the fact that the season was scheduled as a mid-season replacement, so it was rushed into production to meet the premiere date, which didn't help it either, since many people were unhappy with, like, the pacing and the lack of character development, and basically how Leslie Nope, Amy Poehler's character, was portrayed, and a lot of it was just rushed, and it just wasn't funny enough, and it just resembled The Office too much. It was, like, it got nicknamed, like, the non-funny part of, like, the non-funny step-cousin of, like, The Office, essentially, in that first season. But with changes to the character and the flow of the show, ratings like greatly improved, and so did the accolades, basically f- from season one through seven. So yeah, se- yeah. Like Leslie Leslie Nope is not the same character that she was then that she is now. Like they they, I think like the reason I hated it in that season, I couldn't get behind Leslie Nope, was because she was just like stalker obsessed with. Yeah, a, a, a lot of the things was like she was just like ditzy and just un um like unqualified and just like just making really dumb decisions and they people didn't think that that was like a great representation a great representation of women and then just made it seem like she like you said which is like a stalker of Mark who would like left after season two anyway so it just which just wasn't a good Mark sucked yeah he was terrible but she Glad was also creepy Mark was <laughs> Mark had moments but Mark overall he need to go. Yeah, it's like I, I like Mark on my cast list. Yeah, I was like I like Mark a little bit, but then it was like overall, it's like all I remember from season one is the whole. Like I hated season one so much. Yeah, season one is really really bad. If you're listening to this, if you ever watched an episode, just go to season two, or watch the last episode of season one, and then go to season two. Well, I don't even know. You can probably okay. skip the first part of season two as well, to be honest. But then you don't get all the really. Yeah, I mean, second part of season two is definitely better, for sure. You could probably skip so, the first, like, literally the first, like, 30 episodes or something like that. And, like, and there's obviously, like, this kind of notion of, like, oh, well, if I have to skip the first season, it's not a good show. Bullshit. Like, it's it's good after the first season. Like, astronomically it's better. It's 25 episodes. That means, like, what? The first season's, like, what, 13 episodes? It's a it's, small first season, No, it's, right? like, six. It's, like, six yeah. episodes. So there's, like, yeah. over 100 good episodes to go watch. Yeah, for sure. I thought it was thirteen. Uh, I think it's six. Like when I was doing the research, I'm pretty sure it's six. Okay, I don't remember. Like almost. I do know it six. almost got canceled. I believe after was it after season two? Was that correct? After season two, yeah, it almost did. So when we're talking about like bad and like 
going from like really really bad to really really good we can see that just from like the ratings alone so season one on metacritic from the meta score is a 58 and then rotten tomatoes um critic score is a 67 percent season two for the meta score is a 71 and then rotten tomatoes is an 88 and then season three for the metacritic score for the meta score is 83 and rotten tomatoes is a hundred percent um for whatever reason i don't know how meta scores work maybe kate can inform me better but like there's no meta score for season four five six and seven because there's only like one or two reviews but the user score with like hundreds of different um ratings for season four metacritic is at an 8.7 and rotten tomatoes is a 95 percent season five 8.9 on metacritic and 95 percent on rotten tomatoes season seven 8.5 on metacritic and 100% on Rotten Tomatoes and Season 7, which is arguably probably like one of the weaker seasons comparatively to the other ones, is an 8.3 on Metacritic, but still 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. I personally don't really care for a lot of Season 7. Yeah, Season 7's kind of, yeah. It's I don't not like what the they best. actually did with the show, personally. It, it still has its moments. It kind of gets confusing the first four episodes. And then, yeah. I mean, I guess it ends nicely because they do wrap it up. But like overall, it's like, I could gladly skip Season 7. Well, season seven also just, it suffers from the fact that the, the stars of the show have gotten big at this point. Correct. Yeah. And so, like, they don't have, like, you don't get as much time with different characters as you should or that you want to get. So it feels a little bit rushed, but it's also, like, uh, Chris Pratt became Star-Lord. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, I mean, like, point. the whole season completely is weird. I don't even know if they were, I think they were debating whether they were going to have this season. I think it's actually a relatively short season, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And... Yeah, but, but like you said, I, th- I think they do wrap it up nicely with, like, the three time jumps that it has. Like, I think yeah. it wraps it up nicely, and I think it's a good way to do it. Do yeah, you know, it has a, a great closure? ending. Yeah, no, the ending's good. It's just, like, the besides, like, maybe the last two episodes, I'm like, I could care less to ever watch this again. Yeah. yeah. So when it comes to awards, like as we always talk about, um, it doesn't have nearly as many awards as I thought it I thought it did. But I think a lot of this comes from a lot of people getting into it after its kind of uh, streaming run. But it has 13 nominations out. Or it has 13 wins out of 75 nominations. And the wins come from Golden Globes, Gracie's, NAACP Image Awards, Peabody Awards, GLAAD Awards, Critic Choice American Comedy, and an AFI. Actually didn't win any Emmys. Nominated a bunch of times, but didn't win any Emmys. So it is a comedy show, so I don't know if that actually affects it at all. Well, comedy has its own category at the Emmys. Does it? Okay. Cause I, well, I know that, but I mean, yeah. does it have a lot compared to, like, uh, other shows? Because I know we do a lot of other stuff, like Futurama, but that is animation, even Archer's animation. I just want to know, like, what won out against it. Like, I'm trying to remember what show. Yeah. Well, that, the that, Office, is, well, the office still goes on until 2012. Correct. Ah. So that's first so. first three seasons, and then from 2012, I don't know, I didn't even have cable from the last, like, three. Yeah, like, I haven't watched shows like this, you know, back, I, I never really watch shows like this, like, back-to-back, like, on a weekly basis, I kind of just wait so to stuff that's on Hulu. So it was contending with The Big Bang Theory. Ooh, that was Prime Big Bang. That's a wrap. That was, that's a wrap. Yeah. yeah, I was like, Big Bang was Prime during that time. Yeah, and it, it's I think like uh, the uh, Sheldon's actor has won like almost every time they've been nominated. So uh, Modern Family, which is, which won that year, Modern Family, The Big Bang Theory, Glee, The Office, and Thirty Rock. Oh, Thirty yeah. Rock was still going on. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, Thirty oh, Rock yeah. was still That going might be on one of like the big reasons too, like why this doesn't get a following until after the streaming wars, because everything you just mentioned are like prime, yeah, prime shows for sure. 
Um, and I know that a lot of their a lot of their nominations come from like Amy Poehler's character specifically. Yeah. So a lot of the wins come from that as well, like her being like outstanding actress and things like that. So yeah, it's a rough rough position. Oh. Yeah. Um, but like we like we said, like it does get kind of a I wouldn't say a cult following, but it definitely gives a big following once people are able to kind of binge pass and kind of get all caught up all yeah. at once. I I actually would call it a cult following for like one reason in that people are really um, expressive. And what I mean by that is like there are like ac- there were Galentine's Day events happening at like Alamo Draft House and like <laughs> certain episodes and they play them at movie theaters and like it it's like usually that stuff that only happens when the stuff is happening but like i would say it's because of all that if that makes sense i would say oh, that, yeah, that but, uh, but also like literally since they did part of a show of like how amy or basically leslie nope like celebrates every the random day thing and now that's apparently become a thing like every other day is like international like cheese day and hot dog day and then waffle day and like playing onto those probably helps a little bit those are... I mean, yeah, I mean, from a marketing standpoint, yes. But what I mean is, like, anytime I see something, like, there, there are a whole bunch of parks that, parks and rec events that happen all the time. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Like, say, say yeah. those, Kate, because I, I would love for you to talk about those because I'm not completely versed in those. So I was kind of hoping that you could talk about those specifically for Valentine's Day when we talk about representation, because I would love for you to kind of speak on that as, like, from the female perspective. Um, as we kind of get into our but why those, that's really it with the production history. Like, it's, it's a pretty quick production history. But the but why those are kind of like my, you know, what I want to talk about the most. So this show really boils down to, you know, after season one, of course, like the cast, its ability to employ really the cast ability to be funny, but also have really great character development, have really great relationships between their characters. And then obviously like representation are like kind of my big but why those that I want to talk about today. So when we talk about the cast, like this cast is like when we say like ensemble, like this cast is ensemble like there are so many actors who have taken part in this show and because the show like developed from season one and kind of on adding people on it kind of makes it hard to boil down to the main cast but there are future household names who got their start here and it's just crazy to think like oh yeah that person actually got big after parks and recreation um and they're just doing so much just more so many more things now so i know like when i see actors in different roles I mean, when I see Star-Lord, I still think of Andy Dwyer a lot of the times. Um, even in Jurassic Park, I still think of Andy Dwyer for Chris, for Chris Pratt. Um, but, like, the characters are just developed so good, and the writers give the, them such a good, great platform to be funny without, like, trying super hard that it just works out really, really well. So, and the best part about it, like, when you're looking at the researching for, like, how they did the auditions for this, they really just kind of, like picked actors based off their audition and kind of like let them develop as the actual person and actor would let the character develop so there's a lot of improvisation and ability to kind of like let the actors do their own thing and like casting specific people because they know that they'd be good at the roles and things like that so the way that i boiled down the cast i left mark out i'm just getting that out there we're not gonna talk about mark because mark was trash but we have amy poehler as leslie nope Rashida Jones is Ann Perkins. Ann Perkins. Ann Perkins. Aziz Ansari as Tom Haverford. Nick Offerman as Ron Swanson. Audrey Plaza as April Ludgate. Chris Pratt Aubrey. is Ann- Aubrey. Yeah, I always read it wrong. Always. I'm slightly dyslexic when it comes to her name. 
Uh, <laughs> just her name. Just her it's name. Been. Yeah. Aubrey Plaza as April Ludgate. Chris Pratt as Andy Warrior. Adam Scott as Ben Wyatt. Rob Lowe as Chris Traeger. Jim O'Hare as you Jerry. You had to say that one, though. You had to say Chris Traeger. I like when he yeah. says, Ann Perkins. <laughs> Ann Perkins. Uh, Jim O'Hare as Jerry, Larry, Gary, Gergich, and Rita as Donna. Retta. Huh? Rita? Is it Rita? Rita. Rita. Did I not say Rita? Rita. As Donna Meagle, a.k.a. A- cousin of Genuine. Oh, God, that was so good. <laughs> and there's, like, a, a big, like, as the seasons go, there's, like, lots of re- recurring cast members. Um, and there's a ton, like a bunch, but these are some of just my personal favorites. And if you want to say some of yours, you're more than welcome to. But Paula Reed as Leslie's mom, uh, Ben Schwartz as John Raffio, Jenny Slate as Mona Lisa, Mo Collins as Joan Calamezzo, uh, Megan Mully, who is one of Tammy's. You mean Megan Mully? Is it Mully? Mully? Is that her last name? I think it's Megan Mully. Yeah, no, you're probably right. I'm just, I'm, I, I feel like I just had a revelation of my life right now. That's the only reason I said that. Malaley. Malaley. Mal- yeah, it's M U L L A L L Y. Oh, why did I spell it like that? Maybe because yeah. autocorrect didn't correct it for me. I think but, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it. She plays one of Tammy, one of the Tammies in the show. They're like <laughs> a bunch of Tammies, but essentially that's one of Nick Offerman's in the show's ex-wives. But he's actually Nick Offerman's actual wife in real life. Um, John Glacier as Jeremy Jam, who is hilarious. God. And <laughs> Paul Rudd as Bobby Newport. And because the show is set kind of in our time and like politically driven and in Indiana, they gives a lot of room for actual people to come play themselves in the show. So there um, are bunch of references to like joe biden michelle obama uh mandan albright roy hibbert andrew luck genuine as i mentioned earlier um which are set for like really really great moments but one of my favorite things is that the show is so big that it brings in just people to come in and do you know a couple of episodes so even though they weren't in the show for a long time they present just like really really great moments so people like sam elliott Patton oswald jk simmons john ham andy samberg will forte uh, Chelsea Peretti, Kristen Bell, William Arnett, Bill uh, Bill Murray, John Cena. And like the list just goes on and on of all these people who in the later seasons were able to come into the show and present, you know, maybe one or two episodes and just be like really, really quality because of how popular the show was, even though it wasn't as popular as maybe like an office or 30 Rock. I completely forgot that John Cena was. Had, yeah, he was he, he had an episode. Come on, man! You know I had to include John. The only Cena. person I'm on, disappointed you left off was Henry Winkle. Winkle. Yep, Henry Wink- Henry Winkler. Winkler. Yeah. It's the only other yeah. person. Like I said, because if I you go this. and look at this cast list, there is a lot of people. Okay. If we have to talk about John Raffio, then you can at least get his dad. Hey, because well, because that's my favorite thing. Because I just love it. I have never done anything wrong in my life ever. I know this. And I love you. <laughs> I use that all the time. Yeah, but let's just say, like, there's people I left off of this list that you may have, like, deep connections to. But that's just because there's just so many people who are on this show. Like, I can't I, think of another show that has this many people just show up randomly. I wish you would have mentioned the Purdverts. I was going to mention per, uh, Purd, but I didn't know. 
I, I don't know. He's kind of hit and miss for me sometimes. Well, so the reason I mention that is because I have seen him as a news announcer on the background in TV shows in like two other ones. I'm not even joking. I I'm not aware of that. But yeah, the herd I, with Pert. I don't even know who he is in real life. For all I, know, I don't know who he is in real life either. That's why I did put him on there. Yeah, but 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 the cast list is huge, right? And I think like a lot of this comes from just like the general success of this show. Like, I don't think you can get people like Sam Elliott and you know Bill Murray and John Cena and X Y Z person to come on your show if it isn't a quality show where people respect their thing. For those of you who aren't able to see what we're recording, Kate is losing her mind and wants to say add something in. There is actually an NPR audio like uh like thing. Um, it, the name of the episode is I am purred happily and I just realized I'm played by an actual newscaster. That's why we don't know who he is because he's an actual newscaster. Oh, what? Yes. How did he swing that? How did he do all of those episodes being an actual newscaster? His name is Jay Jackson. And he was a, er, he was a real reporter at KCA, KCAL 9 News in Los Angeles. Well, color me surprised. Yeah, that, that's why I, I did the big surprised. hand gesture. I was like, holy shit! <laughs> okay. Um, but just like in general, like all of these names are, whether they are like big names now or they're big names then, like this cast list has heavy hitters when it comes to, you know, whether it's a comedy department, the writing department, or the producer department. And they just really, really work well off of each other. And like while the show was scripted, I think some of the best moments from the show come from the showrunner's ability to select the actors just let loose and kind of improvise some of their scenes um, or like just small little jokes that were made in the writing room were so funny that they let like the right, like they let the characters kind of just play off of them and just make them into bigger jokes later in the show. So just a few of like the best moments that I can think of that were like either improvised or became bigger moments because of how big of a hit they were when the actors produced them was things like treat yourself, which is one of my favorite moments of the show. That was supposed to be just like a one-off joke, but they just continued it on for seasons and seasons. Um, one of the best lines and one of like ones that is that Michael Shore specifically has said is like one of the best imp- improvised lines in the show. It was when Andy, Chris Pratt's character, is diagnosing Leslie with the flu. And he's like, oh, I Googled it. And I Googled your symptoms and like all that stuff. I, that was like a complete improvised line. Um, Andy actually taking off his like um, his color shorts like his skin shorts to show up naked in season two like he just did that that was the thing he just did because he wanted the actual reaction uh <laughs> he improvised all of like mouse rats alternative names so basically anything with chris pratt just think that it's probably improvised because it probably is um jerry gary larry gergich being clumsy and bad at his job was something that just happened in one scene and they just kind of played off of it because it works so well uh, Patton's filibuster was like the last sh- scene shot in like the filibuster. And they're like, Hey, just go crazy and talk for as long as you can. And I really, really hope that we link this filibuster in the show notes. Cause it's one of the best moments in the entire show. I will, because I use that shit for everything and I love it. And it is my favorite thing that exists. Cause there's actually like a 15 minute clip of it. Yes. It's you only so see good. A small piece in it, but like, it's all about Disney. <laughs> bridging uh the mcu in star wars and it's so good like before infinity war came out i think i shared that like four different times 
Yeah, I mean, they just, let, they just let them go with it. And a lot of, like, the fun run stuff does make it into it. So, like, for fun run, it's basically, like, after they shoot all the scripted scenes, they say, hey, go nuts on this scene, and we'll see if we use it. And things like Patton Oswalt's filibuster, where he's just, you know, plays a, you know, overzealous, you know, member of the community, and he basically filibusters this whole just amazing process of, like, like that came out of his brain. Like, he, he like, legitimately thought of this stuff. And it just, and it works. Yeah, and he it just works, nerd. which is, like, the best part about it. Like, you watch that whole 50-minute thing, you're like, okay, I can see that. Chewbacca coming back as, like, a robot. I'm, I'm kind of down with this. Like, this, this works. So, I want to know how... So, there are a lot of parts in the show where people just list things. And I want to know how many of... How much of that is, like, just them making up with it. Because there's that... There's that scene where... Um, uh, in It's when Leslie's trying to turn the hole... Or the, the, the hole into a community garden... And, um, what is it? Uh, Tom just keeps using, like, rap and hip-hop group names for, like, the names of the plants. He's like, Bones and Thug Harmoniums and Ludacris's. <laughs> and, like, he just lists a whole bunch. And then I know that, like, um, Leslie also does it with the, um, uh, Ovaries Before Broveries. And, like, she lists, like, different things. And so I want to yeah. know how much of that is, like, actually I'm, them just... I'm not 100% sure of how much that is improvised, but I do know that there are moments, like, where, like, the, the cast will, like, say, hey, I would like to say this then, like, in kind of, like, the writing room. Like, for example, mm-hmm. like, jean Ralphio's rap, like, in the club when he's, like, rapping, like, Leslie's name and he raps, like, this person's yeah. name and this person's name and he, like, messes up the end rhymes. That was Amy Poehler. Amy Poehler yeah. wrote those raps. So like that's really cool. Even though they're not, you know, the writers of the show, they know that these people are funny enough, have the credentials from like SNL and Mad TV to write funny jokes. So even if they're not improvised, they do let them kind of like, hey, what would you like to do at this point? So maybe some of those are related to that too. But I'm not 100 percent sure. And I also don't see it in your notes, really. And if I miss it, I apologize. But like the physical comedy in this show is so good too. Like, I just looked up a picture of Larry, Jerry, Gary Gergich, and it's the one where he falls into the creek with the burrito, and it's just a still. It's just a still (laughs) of him falling to get his burrito. And, like... It, it like there's nothing in there. There's no talking. It's not a. It's not a gif. It's not a video. It is just a still of that scene. And uh, my automatic reaction in my body is to laugh because I know what happened. And then like yeah. there's all of the um the physical comedy with Andy. Like Andy running for the first time is like the best thing ever. Yeah, like, I I didn't even really think it because I mean like. I think because they just do comedy so well that they don't just hit you like, here's physical comedy and slapstick humor. Like, they just sprinkle it in that it works so well. Like, I think of, like, when uh, Nick Offerman is running to, like, inform Leslie uh, towards, like, the end of season about, like, a new development. And he just, like, busts his ass as he's running. (laughs) Dude, Nick Offerman is falling is actually hilarious. I don't know if that was meant to be hilarious, but that is actually hilarious to see Ron Swanson bust his ass running in a park. Yeah. No, I I think it's I think it's great. Like yeah. I, it's one because it's one of those things is like physically and and I think it also is just like a credit to Greg Daniel and like having people who know how to do it too because like I think physical comedy is something really hard to do and something that can get overdone. But like um, the like I I would say like my biggest tie between the Office and this is just the excellent use of like physical humor without making it feel like oh these are the three Stooges. 
It's yeah. more like, oh, this person is totally doing this average mundane task, and this is hilarious because it probably would really happen. Yeah, and I think that's my my, my my biggest point for this, but why, though, is that they cast people who know – they cast people and, like, the showrunners know how to do comedy right, and that's just because, like, they've just been parts of some of the biggest shows in comedy. So it just works really, really well where they're yeah. not just hitting you over the head with just, here's a joke. It's here. Here, here it comes. Boom. Joke. Um, but okay. – I was gonna say. I also just want to say that my favorite guest is actually John Hamm. I love him so much. <laughs> I was gonna. Yeah, I mean that works. Matt, do you have any favorite guests outside of the ones that you corrected me with? And I'm sorry I didn't add him on there. No, honestly, not really. Um, the guests. I don't know. I don't mind. Besides the Patton Oswalt. I mean, I don't. I remember the other ones, but Patton Oswalt obviously stands out as we have mentioned. I think it helps that out of this main core. Like, I think at least three of these are stand-up comedians. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sound comedians or like they had, you know, they were on Mad TV or, S- or SNL at some point. Correct. Like they're actual funny people. Yeah. So I think it's a little different why, why I think it works very well. Um, I think obviously what Kate said with the, I guess, the physical type comedy of like mundane, like weird things and like people just falling down because you can definitely get to the like, oh, this is stupid and like, why is this funny versus like, this was hilarious because he dropped a burrito. <laughs> Um, Andy, <clears throat> I do like what they, I think Andy does well because I know in the first season he's like awful. I didn't actually really like Chris Pratt's character, and I did. Yeah, I mean, at the start he was only from what I was reading he was only supposed to be in the show for like six episodes. Yeah, I think uh, people really people, him. Yeah, I think people were actually really liked him, even though he was pretty obnoxious the first one. But I think his he does come around to where his comedy because as dumb as they play his character, he eventually like has some competency, which I guess was fine because that's what I think why we get a lot of these too because as you know, as funny and comedy we have, it's not like they're completely stupid. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think a lot of that comes from, like, the cast not just being just funny, but, like, the writing and their acting leads to, like, really great character moments because people not only are funny, but they can act well. And I think it makes you appreciate the people... I think it does, like, a lot of things. I think it makes you appreciate the people around you more, like, as an actual person, seeing people who are actually around you. And it might even make you want to do more to aspire with your life because no one at the start of this show is the same person at the end, like um, Kate mentioned at the very beginning, whether that's from, like, directing of, like, the writing to, ch- to make it better or just, like, letting the characters kind of develop their own character in a certain type of way. I guess the main thing I look at is, like, I can't stand Mona Lisa or uh, John Raphael. I can't stand those characters and how many people like them. I cannot stand them whatsoever. They're the worst. <laughs> Between the over-the-top and just complete, like, this can't be real life. Like, you can't have somebody actually say something or do something that's stupid versus like we have some of like what andy does in the show which is dumb but at least he seems some competent by the end no i don't even think it's that he seems competent i just think that it's it's so dumb but it's not outlandish that dumb. could be fair too because like, like i know the other ones are so over the, the top sim- that i just cannot stand them andy is simple and i think that andy <laughs> is very over the top but the thing is is like the network like I just Googled it. It says you have network connectivity problems. <laughs> like, it just it just works because he, it, it, I, I think there's something that I really love about workplace comedies um, like, or even just, like, overall, like, I, I don't know, like, the, this genre of comedy that happened, 30 Rock, The Office, Parks and Rec, like, what I love about it is that they're taking mundane things and making them funny, and I could totally see somebody saying that, whether sarcastically or in real life. And I think the reason Andy is so funny is because 
um, his character commits to those things and he genuinely believes it. Whereas John Ralphio, I actually like John Ralphio, but only because I like his hair, um, <laughs> is like he's extremely outlandish. But I don't think Ben Schwartz like actually plays him to. There's not a seriousness to it. Almost like Andy will look you like dead straight in the eyes and tell you you have network connectivity problems. Yeah, or go to <laughs> like the doctor say I wipe, but I wipe, but I wipe. Yeah, and still poop. But I feel like that. I feel like that's a conversation somebody has fucking had at the at the doctor's office, though, which makes it like that much more relatable. Like you said. Yeah, I also want to point out one of my favorite moments ever. Like, like one of my favorite moments is actually um, from it's the one where Ben loses his job and he makes the claymation video and he yeah. just hold it, yeah, and he yeah. holds up the the claymation. Like, would a depressed person do this? And he's just like, he's like, oh my god, what is wrong with me? Yeah. Or any episode with his cone thing. Oh, so Cones good. of Dunshire. Cones of Dunshire. Like, I, 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 like, we're talking about representation where representation happens. But I actually feel the, I identify the most with Ben. Like, I don't care about Amy or Anne, like, or uh, Leslie or Anne. I love them. But I identify with Ben. Because we both carry our stress in our shoulders <laughs> about nerdy shit. Yeah, so we, we kind of talked about how, like, these characters aren't really the same as the, where, they are, where they are at the end. Um, with, like, I'm sorry, when I say that, I mean, like, main cast, right? Like, John Ralphio is still John Ralphio. Mona Lisa is still Mona Lisa because they're kind of, like, the side character things. But when we talk about our main cast, they definitely have some kind of development, even if it's, like, drastic development or just, like, slight development. Um, and I think that, like, makes those character moments better. Uh, and it just really nails the show's ability to do, like, things like character development and show actual genuine relationships and then like we were talking about at the very end kind of just representation and kind of realistic representation of different things whether it be like a workplace drama whether it be like female friendship representation etc etc uh so for this next piece for the but why those we'll talk about some kind of like how these characters developed and kind of like what we liked and what we didn't like and there's obviously gonna be some spoilers here so i'll talk about what they were in season one compared to what they are in season six season seven um and so on Obviously spoilers, but go watch the show. Adrian, the show ended in 2015. If you haven't watched it by now, then it, you're, you're on your own. But it's only four years ago, and I feel bad. It's four years ago. You're right. Uh, so we have Leslie Nope, who is probably our main... I would say definitely our main character. She's a She goes from a park department uh, bureaucrat who fails a lot trying to get things done to the governor of Indiana and maybe the president of the country by 2048. I don't know. They kind of leave that kind of vague. Uh, Tom Haverford is he's Anzari's character, basically a super lazy and like doesn't care about doing work. Lazy parks worker to a to a successful businessman to an unsuccessful businessman when his business basically goes under when he tries to expand to basically a writer about his uh you know his failures and kind of like a kind of do better kind of book in the very last season. April Ludgate played by Aubrey Plaza. Who basically like the character was like written for like they cast Aubrey Plaza to or Aubrey Ludgate, wow, Aubrey Plaza to be April Ludgate. See, I got them confused because like they cast her to basically play herself I in mean, a lot of Aubrey ways. Aubrey Plaza's Twitter handle is old hag. Yeah, so. like they basically played her. They basically cast her to play herself, um, and it just works really well because she plays an uninterested teenager to basically working for the American Service Foundation. So basically caring about not caring about anything to actually doing quality service work there's that uh episode right where she does all the stuff for the dogs and how she 
my one of my favorite gifts of the entire series of when she was like, I like dogs more than people. Um, and like we should care about more dogs than people. Or whatever like the, the gif is. Yeah. And, I, and I think it's great. <laughs> uh, Andy Dwyer, like we talked about, like literally goes from a homeless goof who lives in a hole behind his ex-girlfriend's <laughs> house. So, like, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm trying to keep myself on mute, but, like, this is what happens. Like, you mention things, and it just automatically plays in my head. Yeah. I remember when he was trying to win Anne back, and he was going, I have a job interview, and he just, like, jumps and into he the runs hole. into the hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, he literally does that to being a literal public access TV star as Johnny Karate. Like, he just goes from, like, nothing to something. Children's entertainer, sir. Hey, he was on public access, I'm sorry, and he was a TV star, Johnny Karate, and he gave it all up to let April live out her dreams, which I'll get to later. But, and then we have Ben Wyatt, who basically kind of, we we get introduced to Ben as like kind of a tight ass, who is basically a tight ass because of his political failures, like when he was younger, to, you know, a literally a representative, house in the House of Representatives for Indiana, and maybe president, I don't know, they really don't tell us at the end of the show. But he goes from, you know, basically creating a political scandal in his town and just being a tight-ass accountant to actually being a quality, you know, politician and one person who wants to do better. Um, Ron Swanson, played by Nick Offerman, probably one of the best characters on the show, goes from a government hater to still kind of a government hater, but happy as superintendent of the Pawnee National Park at the end of the show, where you have that scene of him kind of in the boat. You know, drawing down yeah. the thing. I also you know, feel like the biggest thing with his character is too is that like he doesn't care about anyone in the beginning, and like actively tries to not care about anybody throughout the entire show, and then is like the dad to everybody. Yeah, and like for sure. ends up becoming a dad, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, Lucy Lawless is a is a is a guest too, and I love her. Yeah. There's, there's a lot, dude. There's so many. There's a whole... There is a literal Wikipedia page of all of the guest stars, and it is a huge list of people. But like I said, like the development is like probably the biggest piece of the show. I think it's why the first season struggled so much, is because they didn't really show that these characters were growing. They kind of just stayed the same kind of characters. But into season two, season three, season four, we see them go from kind of just like local Pawnee nobodies to like actual people and then growing from actual real world experiences through the relationships which is kind of like my next but why though but before we get into that any thoughts on like the character development piece of parks and recreation why is chris traeger not on here because chris traeger is just awesome and like i don't think he has as big of a jump he does have a jump right but he doesn't have like a big of a jump as like andy dwyer yeah like he's still chris traeger he just moved to a different state and had a family he seemed like to be Chris more accommodating. Oak? He actually realized he could die. Okay, his his okay his biggest character moment was him realizing he could die, because like he's he's not really accommodating, and he still doesn't know how to tell people bad news. Poor Anne thought she was still with him for like months yeah, exactly. after he broke up with her. Like, yeah, Chris Trager was still Chris Trager at the end, but I also don't think he's like quirk core core cast too much yeah because he also like is just a big actor in general so that's why he has such a sporadic 
spot in the show. And like Anne is even is, isn't even yeah. like a core core character. Yeah, I mean they right? leave in season six, like they're oh, gone yeah, in season right. seven, and then they come yeah, back that's right. for a little bit in season seven. So like when I think of core characters, I think of these guys. That's fair. Yeah. I know uh, um, season seven, Ron gets hoed of season seven for what happens yeah. to his character. Obviously, Chris Pratt doing Star Wars. So his oh, season seven now, I think about it, is not that good. Yeah, it's not good to like the last couple episodes, in my opinion, because whatever I think of season seven, all I think of is like about how it all wrapped up and how we all like how we all got like closure on all of our characters. But as, as it was a rough to season, make it through. Yeah, I don't think it's as good. The first four, the first in, four like, episodes are really, really confusing. Like you have no idea what's going on. They do that massive time jump for whatever reason. And I mean, I guess I'll say it now, but like one of our fun, one of my fun facts is that the time jump happens because Amy Poehler didn't want to deal with babies on the show because she had just finished dealing with babies in real life. So that's the entire reason why our time jump happens from season six to season seven. I love that so much. She was like, nah, I don't want to deal with babies. I did that that in real life. I don't want to do it. So that's why the time jump happens. Fun fact. It's still bad. Which is understandable, yeah. though. I mean, it's understandable. No, it's understandable from like an actress standpoint and everything else. But it's still, the season's still pretty bad because of it. Yeah, no, 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 no. Like the season's still pretty bad, but I don't think it's bad because of the time jump. Like I actually think like them doing this with babies would have kind of made it bad. Oh no, it probably would have been horrible with autonomy. babies. Yeah, you lose the autonomy of the characters if you put them with like. Babies. I mean, there's a reason I quit watching Bones after when she got pregnant and they had the baby and it became weird. But like. I just know with the time jump, like I said, it takes about almost four episodes to even figure anything out. And then obviously because I think they didn't, didn't they wait on season seven? Wasn't it like a weird delay because of the baby issue? Yeah, which I think also threw everything off because of all the characters. Because like I said, we... Yeah. Yeah, because I know that was like always a big question of like why they did the time jump. But that's, from what I from what I saw, that's, that's the reason. Amy Poehler didn't want to deal with baby, so she's like, nah, let's, let's just time jump it. And just go uh, from there with triplets for some reason. I don't know. Um, so like like Kate mentioned earlier with like Ron Swanson kind of becoming like the dad of the show. Um, I think that it just really shows not only like the development of character, but like the development of relationships and how they just really show quality, like wholesome relationships. Like Alex, who's been a guest star of our show multiple times, I think would agree that this show, this show has really wholesome moments in and out of it um, throughout the whole thing. And I'm just going to go through a couple of, like, a couple pairings of people who have, like, really great relationships and kind of just talk about the relationships kind of overarching. But when I think of relationships in the show, I think of people like Leslie and Ron, of course, right? Like, I, I can't think of a better mentor-mentee relationship or, like, a relationship where, like, the, the, the learner becomes, like, the master because, like, Leslie kind of outpaces Ron in terms of, like – things and ron basically asked leslie for a job at the end like, i can't think of a better mentor mentee relationship in the tv show really ever um andy and april who are basically like an irresponsible couple who like, are literally eating out of cereal out of dog bowls and like frisbees um when they kind of get their own place to actual productive adults who support each other through every big moment in their life um like i honestly can't think of a better they're honestly my my favorite relationship in the show but mainly because April reminds me so much of Stefani, like so much that she quoted April Ludgate's wedding vows in my wedding vows at my own wedding about how she usually hates things, but she hates things a little less like when I'm with her kind of thing. And I just see April and Stefani from like the brown part to the 
hating things but loving me kind of thing. So their relationship goes from basically a couple who didn't really do anything and like they ate cereal out of a frisbee. I don't know if y'all remember that scene, but they literally ate cereal out of a oh, frisbee. Oh no, I remember that scene because that was I think that was Matt and I moved or something like that, and we had we were like, yeah, that's a smart idea. Go buy go buy things you want. Yeah, like I I've been there. Like I ate cereal out of a dog bowl that I got at like some. Uh, I was at like a Chihuahua's game in El Paso, and they gave me a a, a dog bowl. I was like, oh, this would be a great cereal bowl. So I, I've been there. But they actually become actual protective members of society and kind of really support each other, which I think is really, really beautiful. Um, Leslie and Ben, obviously, right? Like, their relationship is great. Yeah. But I, I will say to, like, to the Andy and April one, too, is, like, they purposely acknowledge the weirdness and age differences. And it could have been super weird, but they actually play out the weirdness in Andy and April, which I think is what makes it not weird. Yeah, yes. I was going to say it, but I didn't know how weird it was going to sound. It sounded a lot better coming out of you, so I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, because there's a big age gap between them. And, yeah. it, like, everybody on the show mentions how, like, uh, what? Yeah, Why because we, we could, I, don't, I don't remember how, like, how, how old Andy was. But I know April's, like, 19 in the show, Andy technically. was, like, 26 or 27. Something like that. Yeah, so there's, there's a pretty big age gap, you know, relatively. Uh, Leslie and Ben, you know, they're basically the polar opposites when it comes to kind of running things. But they're basically, at the end, very supportive of each other. Like, at the point where Ben literally doesn't run for governor of Indiana because he knows that Leslie would do a better job and he supports Leslie through that. I think it's a beautiful moment. There's, like, a laundry list of really great moments between Leslie and Ben between, like, their fights and, like, making up and all that stuff. But that's, still like, the one I can think of the most where they were like, oh, no, you run. You run for governor. Oh, no, you run for governor. Like, what kind of relationship like that, that happens other than ones that are, like, super loving and supportive? You can't figure out which one of you should run for governor of Indiana. I also just really like their fights because they yeah. have a lot of really big fights, but when they're not like afraid to tell each other stuff. And yet at the end, they always come back together, which like I think for me, like especially because Matt and I have completely different personalities. Like when I when I rewatched this, rewatched this after like Matt and I were together, I was like, oh, I love this. Because like <laughs> I am the person who's talking about all this weird shit. And Matt's just like, okay. Okay, but I'm going to buy you this Geek Fuel box because I know you love it, um, even though I don't care about this. But, like, I like I actually think my favorite um, – my one of my favorite moments with them is, one, the proposal itself, but, two, actually the UN episode. Yeah. Where they're fighting with each other and they're taking it out on the kids. Yeah. Um, that, that's actually, like, one of my favorite episodes of them. Yeah, and and I, and I think like what I've seen from just like talking to people, like they really do identify with like the couple relationships in the show a whole bunch. Whether it's Andy and April, Leslie and Ben, um, Chris Traeger and and Anne, like there are like quality relationships here, and they fight and they have like actual quality fights. Like when I think of the fights that people had, and I, I don't want to like slight Friends or anything like that, but like some of the fights that they have in Friends are just just dumb. Like I don't feel like those are actual fights people have in real life. But I feel I, like, those, oh, but in the in Parks and Recreation, I feel like we get that kind of things. Yeah, and it's about legitimate stuff too. Like it's not about like stupid things. It's like, hey, should we move across country to support my decision to be in this career? Kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like those are actual conversations that people have. Yeah. No, and then I also think too, like uh, one of my favorite things, and this is just a personal thing. I just like it when Leslie talks about Ben's butt all the time because I talk about <laughs> Matt's butt all the time. So yeah. like it's just it, it just clicks there for me, so <laughs> yeah I love it yeah in that same vein like I remember my one of my favorite episodes like moments in the whole show is when 
April is wanting to move to Washington, D.C., even though Andy has this amazing career at Johnny Karate. And, like, instead of being like, oh, no, I have this amazing career at Johnny Karate, Andy's like, no, the best thing to happen to me in my life is you. Like, I'll do anything because you supported me through this thing. Like, that's, like, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. It makes me want to cry just thinking about yeah. it. It's really, you know, because because really I know that like that would that that is what Stefani would say if I asked her like hey, let's move across country because I got this really job I, I got this really great job offer even though I know you have this really great career as X Y Z. Well, did I, like, I mean didn't Stefani actually do that when you went back to El Paso? That's when we went back to El Paso. That's what happened. And I said it. In our, you you were there um, when we Stefani made a lot of money as a, a a nail technician. She makes like almost more money than I do now. And I was like, hey, let's go back to El Paso because I can't get a job here without experience. And she's like, okay, let's do it. Uh, she gave up her position here for me, which is just beautiful. And that's why I love Annie and April's relationship, just like you love Leslie and Ben's. And I think well, that's I also just... think the other thing, too, is for our third anniversary, Matt took me to go skydiving. And I was like, I bought you some socks. <laughs> like, the, the gift exchange shit between Ben and Leslie, like, hurts because I know I will never give a better gift than Matt does because Matt essentially gives me a Game of Thrones chair every time he gives me a gift. So to be yeah. fair, so I've just, I, my huh? socks are really expensive. Yeah. They, <laughs> look, they at, were, look at him. They were. Look at him. They, they were look at him vouching for the socks. socks. Look at him. That's they were quality. Very expensive compression socks. Yeah, see, that's quality relationships building that we can relate to in parks and recreation. Um, yeah. Um, past the couples, um, I think there has really great relationships between like friends. So I think when you look at people like Ron and like everybody, but I think of when I think, I think of Ron and April because they're pretty different when it comes to their characters, but Ron has just this amazing way of just being like the dad of the show and seeing what people can be great in and believing in them. And April just loves Ron so much and admires him for how he accepts her for what she is and what she can be. That they just have like really, really great character moments with themselves. I mean, you can say that for like Ron and Tom, where Ron, you know, supports his expansion of his business, where Ron basically gives Andy like the Ron Swanson scholarship. Like there are really great moments between Ron and his goal that he's just, just even though he's kind of like this hard ass person, he gives of himself so much that creates really, really great character moments in the show. Um, Tom and Donna, treat yourself is all I'm going to say, because what better than treat yourself? Because whenever I buy something nice for myself, all I think of is that gif of Tom and Donna going, treat yourself, where they just treat themselves to a day of just luxury. What I think about is Ben buying himself the Batman suit. We're going to get there. Don't worry. It's going to be in here. Um, I also think of Chris and Ben, who are basically polar opposite polar opposites when we see them in the show. But they just have such a long-lasting support of each other, of each other's decisions, and it just really makes for uh, them bringing out like the worst, or the, them bringing out the best of each other in the worst situations, even though they're completely opposite kind of people in situations. And I think that's what really makes season two kind of the jumping-off point because when they enter in, you're like, "Oh, these are really great dynamics that are really, really great." So, um, so if we go to any relationship, obviously this is probably the weird one, but this is the one that I think about with Kate and I because Kate likes to be happy about a lot of things. And tells everybody we can do this, we can do that, and then I'm like, no, we can't. We can't unless, do it unless of you this. come in and drop the bomb. And we can't. We can't do any of this. Everything she said I was mean, pretty much like great. I think all of our writers would agree with that. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. So I just let Kate talk, you... and I let Kate do everything, and everybody's like, we are such a happy thing, and I'm like, we're not going to do any of this. <laughs> Kate, why did you just sign us up for four things? We have something to do that day already. This All of you guys are doing awesome. Time. All this stuff is great. Matt, hey, this thing is coming up, and Gleam. <laughs> like that's that's pretty much the the dynamic there, but it works just like it works in parks and recreation. <laughs> um, and then of course, like, probably the biggest relationship is obviously Leslie and Anne. Um, I think they're one of the best friendships on television, even if they emerged like by chance by like Anne Perkins just going to a meeting and meeting Leslie Nope and then becoming really great friends. Um, they support each other, but aren't afraid to call each other out. Like they still have really really big fights in the show. But they get over them like normally people probably should. So this and, is oh, sorry. Yeah, no, and they just remain friends. And even even when like an entire country separates them, they still remain close in even their biggest moments um, in their personal lives. Yeah, so this is probably one of the relationships that I am sad that kind of gets because obviously I think uh, whatever Ann Perkins ends up having to do another show, I think she gets her own show, so she ends up. Becoming yeah, yeah, less. she's not even in season. Yeah, seven, that's what I'm saying. For like a couple moments. This is actually one of the relationships that's great at the beginning, and then sadly because of what ends up happening in their actual lives, that we lose a lot of that. I mean, they do, when they're on screen, it's great together, but it's like, oh, you know, they're 14, 13 episodes, but we get it. Anne's in like three of them now instead of. Yeah, I still, I still think it works though, because like when even like spoiler alert, like when Anne is pregnant, like she doesn't call Leslie because she knows Leslie would drop everything to fly across country to go be with her during her her like birth and things like that. So I think they do a good enough job to kind of still have those moments, even though obviously like real life logistical things prevent the showrunners from having those moments happen on screen. Um, and then just like finally, when you talk about relationships, I think just like like relationships between different people, basically like Leslie and everybody, like is there anyone in the main cast that Leslie doesn't support? through literally everything despite her busy schedule on the show like she's literally there for everybody gives the best gifts is supportive of larry gary jerry gergich sometimes like it's just outwardly supportive and just kind of like the pinnacle of and how like, you should be as a friend despite all the things you have going on in your own life and i also think too like one of the things that she is she's also a really hard worker like leslie works through everything like she doesn't let anything stop her like she takes on 10 10 20 projects but she'll get them done because she knows they're not going to get done without her and so i really really like that and what i like about because i i don't like i mean if you've listened to this podcast you probably know this i don't like overly optimistic characters i i don't but with her like i like her a whole i like her a whole bunch and a lot because she's someone who obviously burns out but doesn't let her doesn't let it stop her from doing things and like it she doesn't let it kill like her excitement for doing things and that's something that's really hard yeah yeah i couldn't say it any better myself um past kind of like the dual relationships or like one-to-one um kind of things like i never feel like, the people on the show generally don't care about each other. Like, there's a lot of genuine connections. And honestly, like, they're pretty good people. Like, I can't think of anyone who's, like, actually a bad person other than Mark and maybe Tom in some situations. Like, they're generally kind of good people. And I don't know if I can say that 100% about shows like Friends or The Office or even How I Met Your Mother. Like, there's people in that show where I'm like, oh, that person sucks. Like, that person isn't a good person. And I think... Parks and Recreation shows is kind of, like you said at the beginning, like a happier version of The Office with actual good people. 
I think we can see that in thing in different like ensemble moments. So things like when Bear when Ben shares his, shares his bachelorette party with every, with all the other guys, um, Tom inviting to treat yourself or Tom invite Tom and Donna inviting Ben to treat yourself when he shows up in a Batman costume and he's embarrassed by it and they're just like, Nah, come on, man, treat yourself. It's such a good scene. It's really really great. Um, even though Tom might be probably like quote unquote maybe like the worst like morally character on the show maybe and that's not even like a big indictment um everybody going to the strip club to make tom feel better uh the guys giving chris traeger the buddy box at the end of the bachelor episode uh everybody helping ben and leslie raise like the triplets the gingerbread house where they all kind of come together and make the gingerbread house for leslie to kind of pay her back for all of her really great gifts like these are all moments that come to mind of just like genuine people in genuine good moments that I feel like would actually happen in real life. Um, yeah. And that's kind of what I have for relationships. Yeah. Like, I would say, like, the chemistry of people on this show is just outstanding. Like, there's not a single moment where it feels forced or not genuine. And I think that that's really hard to do. And that's really hard to do in comedy. Um, and I think it just gets better as the show goes on. Yeah. Matt, have anything to add before we move on to uh, representation? No, but I do want to say, <clears throat> before we go on representation, can we talk about the actual like government work that they do and how the actual issues they bring up are like are actually extreme but very, very plausible and like you can totally see half this stuff happening? Yeah, Kate, do you want to talk about Or Matt, do you want to you talk about it? Go for it. Oh, no, I was just saying, because, like, we are, because this whole thing's about them being actually in the government, they try to run, you know, whatever, Leslie tries to do, like, a parks, you see people blocked, like, we have, like, you know, people fight going, I want my 83-ounce small soda, and you're like, why do, (laughs) and you're like, why, why is this a thing, and people are like, you see the company fight against this, we have, like, with the sugar, the health code at at the seas, they have all the stuff with, like, I guess they show a lot of, like, you see it and you laugh at a lot of stuff, but it actually relates to, like, local politics of what happens, of, like, how bad a lot of the stuff can be, and, like, people just don't know. Like, Leslie, they literally were like, I want my 80-ounce small soda, and they're like, but you're all going to die of diabetes in a year from drinking this. And then we have... (laughs) Yeah, what comes to mind for me is, like, the, um, like, the political, um like battling between the parks department and like the libraries yes <laughs> like those, those that's the thing that actually happened too of like people fighting against the same interests and things like that so that comes for me that that's what comes to mind but also like the the 80 ounce sodas is but town hilarious hall is something that i yes like the town halls are something that i really really love because leslie's just like but guys we gotta do this and he have created he just have people just like saying random things and i think the funniest thing is when she's trying to get um ann and her are trying to get sex ed into uh the old folks homes and then you have yes. billy eichner or no not billy eichner billy eichner is somebody else but you have the christian couple or like the, the super religious couple that like constantly comes in and messes things up or like her uh the gay penguins yeah the gay like, penguins episode is great the fact that like what i really like so far is like the local government stuff or even just like let like it always shows that somebody is always going to complain about this stuff always no matter what and it kind it kind of seems like a hyperbole like matt said 
but like some of this i could really see happening like i'm pretty sure that if the zoo had two had had a same-sex wedding for penguins you would definitely have some like moms against love type things that would start getting mad yeah if you want to see this like you can't go to your local city council meetings just go to your local HOA meeting. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the kind of stuff that happens in real That's life. Fair. But no, I know because obviously we might want to touch on it since it is a political show. <coughs> well, technically the whole show is about politics and them running government that I figure we should say, like, you see a lot of genuine, like, bad decisions or, like, terrible decisions or, like Kate said, like, just random people who ruin it no matter how many people agree with stuff. Or, what? like, Jeremy Jam and the fact that his entire thing is that he just takes money from people to vote certain ways. Yes. And you have, like, this super old sexist and racist, like, guys in office that will never go. And Leslie's just like, but why? Why are they here? Yeah. That's why I'm, like, really scared if this show was made today, like, how this would run. Because it's actually scary to think about. <laughs> how would Leslie Nope survive in this this political climate? Oh God! But no, I think they done they did a really great job of that of like showing and putting in a lot of that of like this types of stuff actually does happen quite often. Why government, as Ron says, does nothing? Yeah, until you get to be the superintendent of a national park and you can just stroke the river in your canoe. And you don't have to do anything and live your life. And you don't have to do anything. That's the life. Ron Swanson lives life in this show. It's probably like best quality of life in the show for sure. When he gets cornrows, oh no! The best part is when he gets oh God, the best part when he gives a he gives a child a landmine that is or a, not a, a mortar <laughs> clay mortar clay mortar not a mortar. Yeah. Um, um, no, I think one of my favorite Ron moments is when he's turning in the chair. Yeah, yeah. When the person's he's, trying to talk to him, and he just keeps turning in the circular desk, and then yeah. uh, when April plans all of the meetings for march 31st thinking that march 31st isn't a thing but that's like real stuff because i've had to deal with like local and state officials and do a bunch of like with actual parks and everything that was my job i had to go talk to them i had to get paperwork and they don't like to do anything they don't want to do anything they don't care to do anything like i literally called because i had to get a permit to collect plants in mississippi and i did it like I don't know, let's say in like April when I was going like in like in like July or something like that. And it's like, you know, two, three months away. And I call him and I'm like, hey, it's been like a month and a half. What's going on? He goes, have a hurry thing. That's the way bureaucracy works. And then hung the phone up on me. And I was like, did you talk to Ron Swanson? Oh, there's plenty of people I talk to Ron Swanson. The guy in Colorado. I mean, you have they are mean people. You have to be mean to them (laughs) to get anything done. Like like what Leslie does in this show is probably a great representation of like, what actually has to be done in actual like small government to get actual anything done? Like she just takes, she doesn't take no for an answer. Yes, she just keeps going. You have to keep calling people, and you have to call them again. I mean, people never respond to emails. They tell you just email all the time. Why I don't email people anything? Because I know email gives you choice not to answer. I guess it's like are you saying? Huh? Are you saying that Leslie Nope plays her Nope card a bunch? <laughs> yes. That was such a bad joke. It was. <laughs> hey, that's a quality joke, okay? They reference exploding kittens in that Love and Robot show, so I feel like it's very valid to make it here, okay? That's a I'm just gonna go whole with whole joke a, about exploding kittens, okay? I'm just gonna go with a nope on that one. Pope nope. Yep. Okay, so all right, we're running a little bit long, and I figured I figured this would just because there's a lot of really great things to talk about, so. <laughs> <laughs> kind of our final but why though kind of want to talk about <coughs> representation like while i don't think it's like 
I don't know. I don't feel like it's like the forefront of the show. I think they just like let the people be people in the show and the representation kind of comes after it. Um, but there is a lot of it there. So when you think about like the cast, when we went when we ran through the main cast list or like the guest star list, there are there's a lot of diversity in the cast, not only just like ethnicity wise, but size, body type, um, orientation and things like that. It's pretty much all there for the most part in the show. But I think the biggest part representation, because this does feature Leslie Nope as a female bureaucrat politician trying to get things done. I think feminism is a big part of it. Um, you have a lot of women in the show. They all come in a variety of sizes, ethnicities, and just like careers and being comfortable in the careers, whether it's being um, Ann Perkins wanting to go be a mom, Leslie Nope wanting to go to be a politician, um, Donna being just like person who has her life together all the time kind of thing. Like there's lots of representation there and they're all pretty different. And I would have to imagine that this show pretty much crush, crushes the Bechtel test, if I'm not mistaken. Like, they let the women just be women on the show. And then you have things like Valentine's Day and such like that. And things like that. And I'm going to stop talking because I don't want to get added on Twitter. And since Kate is the only woman, I'm going to let her talk here about <laughs> feminism yeah. representation. So, like, it's one of those things, too, where... Um... It, the show has like this really really great transition where it actually and I think a lot of it comes from that 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 shift that you had like in production and stuff um you can tell that like Amy Pooler gets more control over her character and there there's a lot of like how do I explain it Leslie has to deal with stuff that it seems really absurd like the old congressman like sexually harassing her and stuff and it's funny to watch but yet she has to deal with it and deals with it in like in, in good ways and people get theirs but like for me it's the facts like when I think about the show doing feminism or doing any sort of empowerment it's not the fact that Leslie is a woman who gets stuff done it's the fact that there are women on the show who are not like each other like, it's not, like, not everybody has to be a happy-go-lucky woman who loves everything and uses love to get things done. Like, people can just be themselves and be, um, which is important because you don't get that a lot. A lot of the times you get a character like Leslie who is like, yes, feminism, yes, feminism, like, all the time. Because Leslie talks about that all the time. Um, but then you have other characters like April or even Anne, like, who just exist and deal with things differently and i think that that having when you do diversity well like i think the show does is you just let characters be you don't harp and try to put them into boxes or try to make them um fulfill some something that you have in your head and i think that like one of the great things that they do with leslie is they really exaggerate a lot of her stuff which can sometimes um backfire when it comes to like talking about feminism but when you actually have her in situations and you let it tease out like you can see that like oh she isn't just like thinking about it this one way and i think one of my favorite episodes too is where um ron wins the woman of the year award in government <laughs> and leslie doesn't and it's just it, it it's really funny but it's also like really good and then you have the episode where Anne and her try to move the like industrial oven or something oh man that is great and they're like you can't move that and she's like we can do anything and then they just like slowly realize oh crap we can't move this but then <laughs> but then leslie's like 
but wait, we have uh, we have connections. And so she calls people to get it to move. And she, like, she wins, but she wins through thinking through it. Like, it's, it's just really good. It's really good. Like, you have guys, and, and it's not even just about representation of, like, just women. But, like, when you talk about feminism in a show, it's it, it really is just about treating characters equally and letting them be themselves. And it's like, there isn't a character on here who is just one type. Like, the men on the show get to be a whole range of things, and the women on the show get to be a whole range of hey, things. Hey, hey, hey. Are you telling me how men are represented on the show? I am. Hey, you can't do that. <laughs> now, I mean, it wasn't something that I wanted to include. Just because, like, when I'm, like, researching the show, it's really, like, actual papers and all this stuff done about, like, how Leslie Nope is, like, the right representation of feminism. Which is why, like, I really wanted you to talk about it, of course. But, like, as it's... from the male perspective, like, all the dudes on this show are completely different. Like, they make jokes at you know um tom's expense of being kind of like a small dude compared to like nick offerman who plays a you know woodworking you know manly man kind of thing so you get like all of the things but when i think of the show i don't think of like oh hey this is a show that gives great representation but a lot for a lot of the reasons you said like they just let the characters be the characters and that's not it's not like oh that's that character or like that's that character archetype they just like let the people be who they want to be and let them develop like naturally and organically which really presents for a really great show in my opinion yeah and i think like when it like and i i don't know i also just like i could probably say a lot more but like it has to take more thought and i just it when I watch the show, I don't really think about it, which is interesting. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah, like, I, I don't because either. Because it does it so well that you don't feel like you need to kind of pick it apart or do any of those things. I mean, I think the only thing that had, that so like rewatching it most recently, like maybe two years ago, was there's some weird things that Leslie says that talk about Anne being multiracial, and I'm like, this is weird, and I don't like hearing oh, that. Oh, she's like, you're, you multi, you multiracial angel or something yes, like that. Yes, and yeah, I'm like, I, that this, effect. Is, this is really weird. Um, that's, like, the only thing I think, but, like, everything else is just, you have characters being really good, and I think the best part of what Leslie does is she just tries to uplift other people consistently whether she's doing and and she's not just about talking right like the reason i think she's such a good representation of feminism is um that she is doing something it is always about impact it's always about what can i do to actually help the community around me what can i do to actually uplift somebody else's voice and i think that's really good i also think that there there are a lot of the times um where the show balances it by showing how Leslie is too much centered on, like, the feminism of something or too centered on, like, the um, the appropriate way to do something. And then she ends up getting, like, shown that it's not that simple in some of the episodes, which I also think is really good. Um, it happens with her and Anne a lot. Um, and I think that that keeps a grounding in her. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I really don't want to say. Like, it's weird. Like, because I knew you were going to ask and you were going to talk about it. Um... I, I do know the the uh, Galentine's Day is actually something that is legitimately celebrated in. Uh, I know Alma Drafthouse does special that Galentine's Day events um, when February thirteenth rolls around. Like everybody's talking about it on Twitter. Friends actually do stuff. Like it, it it's something that has kind of like stuck as a cultural t- touchstone to like celebrate the women in your life, which is kind of cool that like a show kind of brought that. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I I just really like her. I I she's the only positive character. And when I say positive, like 
happy-go-lucky, I yeah. never get depressed characters that I've that I've ever seen on TV that I actually care about. Because that doesn't happen a lot. Yeah, Matt, you have anything to add? When it's done well, you don't know what happens. Yeah, I think yeah. it's perfect. Man, it's... Matt, you just summarized everything we just said in like one sentence. Yeah, like I mean, I mean, I don't, I mean, I think our listeners kind of know like where we're at at this point, you know, at episode ninety six, but like representation is usually a big part of like what we talk about but in this show it just happens so organically and they just let characters be that i don't think we need to spend the bulk of the time on why this show is great because it's not something i think about consistently when i think about this show um i mean and there's obviously like a whole lot of things we can talk about we're at we're at almost an hour and a half at this point so if there are things that we don't talk about when we get into our fun fan, but why those are our fun facts, feel free to like, let us know and like add us and tell us like some of the best moments that you can think about that we didn't get to talk about. Or if there are issues in representation, we would love to hear about it. So we can kind of talk through those things, um, you know, virtually so we can know maybe we, maybe we missed something or maybe I missed something when I was doing my notes, but I would love to hear about it. So that's really all I have for our kind of bulk of the episode. I'd love to get through some fan, but why those? I threw some of the, or not our, some of our fun facts. I kind of threw some fun facts in through the things, but these are some fun facts that I didn't really fit into the actual notes. So I'll just start with um, first, they considered a series based on local government trying to rebuild after they, they tried to like base the show after a character who was trying to rebuild themselves after a political. Re- political career following a political scandal didn't they make that show and it failed no they didn't make that show but whose backstory is that no but i believe they actually made that a show like that that ended up failing i thought yeah I don't, i'm not sure but i know that's big they basically took what the show might have been kind of based off of and made that basically ben wyatt's backstory with his whole thing of like becoming like a teen. ice town yeah ice town so they used that and kind of threw it in later. So even though they didn't use it when the first show kicked off and they're trying to figure out how to kind of cross over the office or kind of how they got the show started, they still used it anyway. Um, one of the things that I found was really interesting that one of the titles for the show was actually called, it was actually called Public Service, was the name of the show for a very, very long time. But they decided to change it last minute because they didn't want to like, the showrunners didn't want to quote unquote, like make fun of public service. So they changed the name of the show like a month before its premiere on a Super Bowl commercial. They changed the name of the show like very close to like its biggest, you know, announce announcement. So the funny thing you say that is because you say Parks and Recreation, which is also weird because like I hardly I actually forgot that that's the actual full name of the show because I've always heard it as Parks and Rec. Yeah, or PNR or whatever the case is. But I think public I think it works better as Parks and Rec than like public service personally. But it also might be just, like, hindsight, maybe. Mm. Uh, so, <laughs> Amy Poehler and Nick Offerman shot a makeout scene for the gag reel of every season. So, every season, like, they made out, basically. But it was never included in the gag reel because they thought it was, like, too gross and just didn't work. I just thought that was a funny one. And just... I love that picturing so it, much. Picturing it in my head just doesn't work at all. <laughs> like, <laughs> but I would love to see it. And then uh, we mentioned one of my other ones that I wanted to add in there, like the, the season, the time jump from season six to season seven happened because, again, uh, Amy Poehler didn't want to work with infants because she just raised her own. She's like, nah, I don't want to do that. And then my last one, there's a whole bunch. Like, you can go find articles about all, like, really cool fun facts. But one of my favorite ones is that, like, a lot of the times, I don't think Nick Offerman is really acting. 
because he actually one is an actual skilled saxophone player and the act the writers didn't know that when they wrote the story about his alter ego duke silver so he's like actually plays a saxophone and then two he nick offerman actually owns a workshop where several scenes were actually filmed and he had to hire a manager to keep it afloat when he was cast in Parks Recreation to keep it going while he was actually doing the show. So he won. The biggest parts of his character are like being just like a manly man woodworker, which he actually does. And his alter ego, saxophone player, which he actually does. So did Nick Offerman really even do that anything but show up to set? <laughs> he just kind of just did his own thing, which I think is really, really great. And then to wrap us up, we'll get into some of our fan why those of which we had quite a few, to be honest, after I kind of butchered the tweet, but it's okay because our fans are very accommodating. So we'll start with just straight off the bat at Lizzie Lynn Garcia, who you've heard on the show multiple times. She's also um, our social media manager and editor, one of our editors for the website. Parks and Rec is my favorite show of all time. I reach watch it probably once a month. Um, it has gotten me through many difficult mem- moments, and seeing someone as positive and strong as Leslie means a lot. That is really great. You must really, really like. You have to like really, really love a show to watch it like once a month. I think. At Captain underscore Neymar, I don't have a favorite episode because I love all of them, but I do have a favorite character, and it is Jean Ralphio. And he posted a gif. I like your energy, Ombre. What you do, or what you, what do you say? You and I write go karts later. Which is like I think it's like a like a John Raphael, other than like he's the worst. It's like a very John Raphael thing to say. At Fernandez underscore photo, favorite character hands down Ron Mother Effin Swanson. He didn't say Mother Effin, but you know. Favorite episode when Leslie plans Ron's um, excursion in Scotland, and a nice little gif. Yas making fun of me for posting two tweets. At Jose Gayaso. As a government worker myself, Leslie Dope tires tireless enthusiasm for improving people's lives through her department was an inspiration. I know some of my good colleagues feel the same. Also, Jean Raffio and Mona Lisa, so good. At Susan Cat, it matters to me because it shows people working together to solve problems, sometimes in their own lives and sometimes for the good of the community. It is uncynical. Favorite character, Ben, or more accurately, Ben and Leslie as a pair. Favorite episode, The Fight. Ben and Leslie's Big Fight, which is, I think Kate referenced it earlier, so it works out really, really great. Um, at Drassy Domino, it represented the idea that a fantastic comedy could come from an upbeat tone. You don't have to be sarcastic and crappy to be funny. At Captain Nipster, it got me through a breakup and I'll forever adore it for showing a more grounded take on how to actively work within government when it's not shit to make lives better. It's shit most of the time. Yeah. This is also true. Yeah. At Glory Days Girl, the cone of Dar- the cones of Dunshire was a great episode. And it's just a gif of Ben saying it's all about the cones. That is one of the best I I <laughs> love that episode so much. <laughs> Dude, I love that whole episode because, like, they, like, patent his thing even after he leaves him. It's just, like, a quality, wholesome moment with, like, him and his relationship with those accountants. Yeah, I was about to say, like, honestly, one of the best relationships as a series is Ben going to go work for the accountants and then leaving them and them getting sad but getting very excited when he comes back again. 
Yeah, it's so good. Multiple times. Because he does it multiple times. <laughs> it's great. Um, at Avid Modi. Modi? Mondi? I don't know. Yes. Telephone episode always gets me good. Best character goes to Donna, Andy, or Ron. Not sure how to pick. And she posts a gif of Donna saying, treat yourself. At Dr. Ragnarok, because of Parks and Rec, I got into different comedies on TV. Without, I would never have watched Arrested Development. And my favorite character is, without a doubt, Andy. At Tales featuring Fandom, Ron Swanson is my favorite. My favorite gif is below. And it's, I'm really proud of you gif when he tells leslie it's very great fun fact kate tweeted that to me earlier this week and it meant I a lot did. and i he's use very, it a lot he's very wholesome <laughs> and then finally at spooks show cinema all he says is oh jerry and it's the still of him saying jerry for the skin with jerry gergich that man has the largest penis i have ever seen <laughs> special side out because he posted this twice because i messed up the tweet so thank you yeah uh spook show cinema i really appreciate you oh and then finally i almost forgot swara um i know that he isn't um i can't say any of his handles but he did give us one on our discord which you should all be a part of because our discord is great parks and rec matters to me because i've been a long time lover of politics and policy and this wonderful and uplifting show has taught me the importance of perseverance in making government work for people even when things seem dire and without hope leslie nope is an idol of mine as she's taught me how to be relentlessly hopeful if you don't know Suara, that is brand Suara in a tweet. In a tweet. Suara is Leslie. Like, let's just be clear. For when sure. I need cheering up. I go to Suara. Yeah. Like you, you, you be the person Suara believes you to be. Be the person yeah, exactly. Leslie Note believes you to be. Yeah, and that's that's all we got for Pamba Why though. So I guess we can move into final thoughts real quick, and then we can get our listeners out of here. Uh, yeah, but I'll start. Um. So I think ultimately like, this is a show like I actually want to go back and rewatch it now again after kind of talking about it for a while because there's like so much we didn't talk about like we could just do an episode just talking about our favorite moments of the show like snake juice come on that is hilarious and everybody just being extremely hungover the next day like it's great they're like I just love it like I really have nothing other to say than that I love this show. Um, and I think that the genre of workplace comedy is something that I don't know if we're going to get again or if we should get again, because I think that, like, between 30 Rock the Office and this, I, I mean, as we have Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but Brooklyn Nine-Nine is kind of different, right? Like, it's not necessarily, like, the same in the whole, like, confessional aspect of it and everything like that. But, like, I, I just really, really enjoy it. And I'm, like, I love Ben. And I feel like I'm Ben. <laughs> well, Ben are the nerdy stuff, but Matt being the person to deliver terrible information, that that's the he that that's the role he's What about you, Matt? Uh it's actually a really good show. I don't know, like Kate said, that we are actually gonna get any more of this orc uh humor shows anymore. Um I think like people keep trying to like go back and look at a lot of them. They have a lot of problems now and they're like, oh blah blah but I just think for what it was in the time it worked great. Um, the characters are like it's one of the few shows like you said that all the characters I really enjoy there's very few like moments that I don't really like of these characters and just I guess just having to deal with government officials and like actual parks and recreation or parks department all the time it's very well done even if it's extreme as like our hyperbole as it is can get sometimes 
Um, I do think everybody should at least watch it once. Skip, like we said, to season three or two and a half. And you should be good. I don't like the ending. I like the ending, but it is... I don't know. It's one of those torn endings because they do just walk away by, you could be president or you could be president. Or they just announce it like, blank, running for president, and we don't know who. But I think with the way the show does it and everything, I think it does end well. Especially when you consider all of Ben and uh, Leslie's relationship. I also do want to point out that Matt isn't Ben. Matt is actually Nick Offerman's character, Ron Swanson. In that he pretends, he calls you by your name so that you think he doesn't care. But he calls you by the wrong name to make you think that he doesn't care. But he really does. Yeah, what was he, he call his friends like workplace associates or something yes. like that? <laughs> My best friend I ever had I never spoke to. It was great. <laughs> No, I, 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 if you're listening right now, you should cast us, pick, pick a person to have us identify with on Parks and Rec and tweet at us and let us know. At the the Wait, wait, you both got people. Who do you think I am? Wait, what is this? Am I getting left out? I thought you were just no. Andy. Yep. I was going to say Andy. All right. I'll, I'll take Andy. All right, all right. <laughs> I don't live in a hole though. I'm not creepy with you my girlfriends. You don't live in a hole. <laughs> I'm but... telling you, the first season is just bad on all characters. <laughs> yeah, this is true. Yeah. Like, Andy's like well, a half-stalker. I'll, I'll take it. Uh, Leslie's a stalker. Well, I actually think in the first season, Andy isn't really funny. He's just a bum. Yeah, no, and he's, he's terrible. He's just a bad boyfriend. Yeah, and he's terrible, and he's, like, very unlikable. <laughs> I just like I've, I've been rewatching the episodes at night when he when he plays uh, Mark in in pool and he was like, "All right, say your goodbyes after he beats him." It's just dumb. It's just just, yeah, just it dumb. Better. But yeah, no, I would say that you're Andy because you're just uh, happy and you you show up when you need to show up and you don't let us be sad and you're the positive person. Hey, that means a lot. That makes my week because I've had a really rough week, so that means a lot. Um, I mean, and for my like my final thoughts, I mean, my final thoughts is kind of like the episodes I kind of ran. Right? But, like there, there's like a lot of stuff we didn't talk about, and I understand that, but we only have you know so much time to talk about things. But like this is generally one of my favorite shows that when me and Stefani watched it, like we just we just once we got into it, we just binge watched, it. like we couldn't stop watching. And it's still one of those shows that we'll watch every now and again, just to, like watch our favorite episodes because it's just that good. From its relationships to its actual real life applications of how friendship works to its character development to its not on the nose comedy or representation, it's just all around a really good show. And I'm on, I've been on the record multiple times that like when people say, "Oh, I, I don't like Parks and Rec because it's like The Office," I'm like, "Well, watch Parks and Rec and then tell me if it's like The Office in terms of kind of like its way it portrays its characters because it's just it's different enough that I think it works really really well. And I would suggest this show to literally anybody who likes comedy in general leslie nope's actually a good boss yeah michael scott is a really good boss like michael actually. scott is funny and great and we love everything about him but he would be a terrible person to work for yeah well because like, that's the thing and that's what yeah. i said earlier like like parks and rec is a positive the office because like it like the office gets its humor because you identify with all the shit that people are going through like you identify with that crappy office lifestyle and that's that's why it works and then parks and rec you have it like the humor works for different reasons um like they're very different shows i think they're similar in that they're workplace comedies and developed by the same person and there are definitely things that show that they're extremely similar but i think the the core of what the show is about those are different 
Yeah, so if you, if you gotten through our entire episode and you still think that like The Office and like the Parks and Rec are different, and that's why you you haven't watched Parks and Recreation, go watch it. It's still on Netflix for whatever time that is it exists there because you know how it, how it goes. Until but they have go watch Friends again. Yeah, exactly. But it's good. You, you should go watch it. Um, I enjoyed our conversation about it, and I'm sure we left stuff out. So I would love to have conversations on Twitter on our Discord about it because it's just such a good show that I really, really, really like. And it's 10 years old, and we're still talking about it. So. Um, it matters, but why though? So before we head out, make sure that you ask, send us in your questions, whatever questions, doesn't have to be related to the podcast. Is if you have a question that you've always wanted to ask me, Adrian or Matt, send us them, but why though podcast at gmail.com or send it to us on Twitter at but why though PC. And while you're at it, follow us on there as well as on Facebook and Instagram by the same name. And if you want to support us a little bit more than you already do, because you support us a lot by listening, head on over to patreon.com slash butwhythepc, and there you get access to our episodes. You get access to episodes early, exclusive episodes, and for the top tier, you can even choose us to record an episode just for you. And thank you so much to our new patrons, Jose, Grant, and Rebecca. Thank you so much for supporting the show. And remember that you can get exclusive content at those $3. Thank you. Thank you, you for the support. Pages. It's great. Yeah. Thank you for the support. Um, I know we've, we've plugged the Discord a bunch, but like really get involved in our Discord. Not only to our patrons, but to our, our followers as well. Like a lot of stuff happens in our Patreon, our, 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 in our Discord, because Matt's really done a lot of really great work to make our Discord great. So join it and join in the conversation. And our Patreons get an exclusive channel where they get to know all the things that are happening behind the scenes. Uh, but yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Oma with Randier, Adrian. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at SuperReese93 S-U-P-E-R-R-U-I-Z 93. I'm pretty close to 500 followers, y'all. Yeah, nice. I'm getting there. Yeah, I just got over 700. Alright, thanks Matt. I have 3,282. Alright, well I'm gonna go back in my hole in my backyard. <laughs> See you later. Look at that job interview. <laughs> Matt? Just kind of float down the river. <laughs> Told you he's Ron. Send it. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> <laughs>